Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Sebastian, man. Uh, good weekend. Good week coming up. Great weekend ahead of us. Great weekend behind us. It's a lot of good soccer. Soccer yeah. season. I mean, listen, we are full underway into what is probably one of the busiest falls we've had in a while. I think... Uh, going off of coming off of last fall where with COVID and everything else, everything was a little bit different and the timelines were, were pushed back a bit. And, and now all of a sudden we're, we're basically in the, really in the thick of it. And just trying to get through the first, I feel like the first two weeks of the fall season are always the toughest part to get through. Once you can kind of get through the first two weeks of the season, then you're usually in a, in a better spot. Um, so from a travel standpoint, uh, the majority of our teams started their their league season. Um, I know personally, I had a game with my 2010 girls team, uh, first 11 v 11 league game that we had, tied 0 0, played played well, uh, made some really good adjustments over the course of the of the half or the game. Um, so I was I was very happy with with how they performed. Um, and this weekend, I have my first two games with the 2008 girls, and then also another game with the 2010s. So overall, everyone's everyone's starting to play. Everyone's uh, getting going. You know, is uh, trying to just get get through the first couple of weeks, and then uh, rec soccer started as well. Uh, and you were out at Silver Lake on um, on Saturday, right? How was that? Yeah, I mean, um, everybody was excited. You know, opening weekend. You know, kind of gearing up a lot of players. Uh, first time coming back since COVID. You know, some players returning. Uh, from the spring and the, and the previous season. So it's just good. You know, numbers are continuing to grow. Um, you know, kind of getting back to those pre-COVID numbers with people feeling more comfortable with the vaccine being out and everything. So definitely exciting and um, definitely looking forward to week two and then you know, starting the pre-rep and the pre-juniors program very soon. Yeah. And then the discovery program started as well on Saturday. And then, and then this week, my daughter was a part of that and uh, she had a really good time. Um Shout out to our new coaches, uh, Coach Hillary and Coach Heather, uh, uh, that they're, uh, we got brand new coaches in the Discovery program. So uh, really excited for that. And in general, every, everything's going super, you know, everything's going great and uh, just excited for the, you know, I feel like after the first two weeks, two, week, two weekends, uh, like I said earlier, um, everything kind of settles in and we, we settle in. It's almost like a game, right? First five, ten minutes of the game are always a little tense, and then you kind of settle into the rhythm. I mean, next thing you know, we'll be talking about the 3v3 tournament, right? Yeah, that's uh that's almost clear that 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 last 15 minutes of the game where it's a little hectic. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, we're we're sitting here, we'll be posting, and then next thing you know, we'll be talking about 3v3. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so we got we got a 91st minute interview. Uh one of one of our we're uh we had another one from our Colorado. Coaches' conversations that I had with Fields Brown. Uh, so today we're talking about how to be an assistant coach, uh, which is a which is a pretty cool topic um, that I think both Dwayne and I have have talked about at length before as well. Uh, so good good feedback, good insight from uh, from Fields Brown on how to be a good assistant coach. We are back on the ninety first minute with Fields Brown. Uh, Fields, today we're going to talk about how to be an assistant coach and also how to have an assistant coach. All right. So let's start off with the um, probably the easier one. How do how you know what are some of the things to consider when you are an assistant coach? When you are an assistant coach, um, first of all, I wish wish I could get paid uh, to be an assistant coach for some at a very on a high level. I think it'd be probably the best job in the, in the world. <laughs> uh, I love what I do, but I think uh, working at a very high level as an assistant coach would be a ton of fun. I think it's actually something in, in different areas of the game I've been involved in. It's probably, I've enjoyed it. I think it, it provides you a chance to have a different relationship with the players. Um, your your role is, is different, especially like, it's, you know, working at the collegiate level, working at the ODP level, working at the semi-professional level. I've been an assistant in all of those. And I've also had a chance to kind of enjoy with that what that different seat at the table looks like. Um, so I think what it takes to be 
a, a good assistant coach or what maybe take the good part of it. what it takes to be an assistant coach is is one um understanding you're kind of the, the go between from the boss to the, to the players and, and you have to establish that relationship with the boss first um they have to trust you they have to they have to know you have their back and their support um but i think that it goes the other way that they have to trust you to to be in that role um i've been fortunate to work with some really great people and whether i'm the assistant or they're the assistant when you have that relationship i think that's the most important piece to a successful coaching staff is that they're they know that the language is the same they know that the message is the same they know that they're that you are almost hand in hand and, and yin and yang not you know, not necessarily night and day difference but certainly there's different enough to you but there's still the same same goal so to me i think that's the that's the first thing as an assistant is, is you have to have this established trust and, and faith of the, of the head coach um and and vice versa i think they need like you need to feel that from them as well and then i think you know to be to be an assistant coach um you have to be ready to the information you provide you're not going to get maybe the amount of time depends on the environment maybe you're not going to get the amount of time to be in front of the team so i, I always used to have, make sure i had everything ready to say and, and, right. and be prepared for probably whatever you whatever you gave the head coach they might steal one or two of your lines so have a couple other ones yourself um but yeah your information and the way you present your information is important you're going to present it in front of the group maybe less obviously than than the head coach but making sure your point is is, is lying on and then the other part is you're going to have the relationship with the individual player and you're going to have a relationship with the groups of players um you know the back four or the the bench right if you're on the bench you're probably going to be with some of the players on the bench so you're going to have kind of those group and small group and individual relationships probably better than the head coach because the head coach is looking at the bigger picture and looking at the results and the team so yeah i think you just have to have that in mind is your 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 viewpoint of the game is is a different viewpoint of the game than, than the head coach and you have to be prepared for that i think part of it is also setting up expectations ahead of time right yeah. um you know clear getting clear expectations from the head coaches like what is it that you want me to do and, and what's my role where you know where do what do you see me doing like what what can i do to best help the program or team or whatever the case might be i think that's a huge part and i think you you touched on a really good point about the players right so um i've had the chance to be a volunteer assistant coach before at a division two school in florida and uh, in my role i was one of four coaches and my role was to be the the, the guy that sat on the on the bench and every player talked to me before and after they went into the game and i found that role somewhat unexpectedly uh, i was trying to find my role i was trying to find my spot on the team and um, i you know one of the first games i noticed head coach yelling talking coaching during a game assistant coach doing the same thing goalkeeper coach kind of doing the same thing with even the field players so i was like well i can't just be the fourth person that starts yelling information it just becomes an overload so i decided i'm going to be the person that just sits back and just watches and observes and gives individual feedback across the board um i think that that became a very rewarding experience because i got to be able to see the game from a different standpoint um but also learn a lot about players and and then be able to kind of relay information on the head coach or, or the assistant coach so I think that's that thing. I think that's a big part setting up an expectation for what your role is going to be, and yeah. and knowing what that is, um, and per, it's more for yourself, absolutely. Because <laughs> I think, it, you know, uh, I, the next point I would say, and this has been me fortunate in the last little bit to to work, um, not only with a, a great coach, but my wife and, and at Regis as a volunteer, but also with her as an assistant with the west region odp um program is a balance and and some sometimes you might run a training session and in fact it's great times that she's given that opportunity to me i think she knows it's time 
either for a different voice or a different style or for them to see myself as a coach, as the assistant coach in a different light as the person now is who's in charge, right? And it lets her have the same opportunity that you're just saying. It lets the head coach have the opportunity to now be an observer and to watch and to have those moments where she can build those relationships with the players. She can give the individual or small group feedback. So I think that's the next part for me would be the, the next the next role as, as assistant is um, is developing within that staff, healthy staffs, positive staffs, successful staffs. They have that, that ability to step in and out of the light uh, as a coach, head or assistant. Um, the roles are almost interchangeable, right? And I think um, what, what you say uh, about um, finding your role and like you said, it's more for yourself, but I think it's also finding your role within the, the overall team setup. Um, you know, if, if you got a, a good, a good staff with four people on it, man, that's, that's sometimes you don't, maybe you're like you said, your role was more with the players going on and off the field on game day. Maybe that role during training is sometimes you're the jovial one cracking jokes and making sure people are, you know, um, you're checking in, right. Yeah. And just kind of having that kind of role. So there's so much, especially if you get to a point where you can have a lot more people, but if there's only two people, I think, um, that, that interchangeability, I think that just made up a word. <laughs> but, <laughs> We're going to go with it. Uh, that, that, that ability to float back and forth between them, I think yeah. is, is, is the next part of being an assistant because you have to know what you're doing and you have to know your stuff, but you also have to know your, your spot and when wins that moment for you. Well, I think part of it is also understanding that there's going to be games, there's going to be moments where you as an assistant coach might, because, you know, the it's one of those days where the stars align and you feel you have a lot, a lot of confidence and you just, you might speak up and you might, you might coach more. And I've been in that situation before. And I think it's understanding like, oh man, that felt really good because for, for that moment or that game or whatever it is, you feel like, quote unquote, the head coach, right? You, yeah. you feel a little bit of that. I think it's scary to then at times you're like, well, if I don't keep that up, then am I not progressing? And I don't think that's necessarily the right way to approach it. I think it's understanding this moment, right? Yeah. Just just like not every single player is always going to be a star player. Right. You know, you you hope that you well, have... I was thinking that same analogy as far as like your staff has to be kind of like players in the team, right? Exactly. Your head coach is your is your starters. Your head coach is maybe your, your star player. Yeah. You have to have this within your staff as well. For sure, yeah, because you don't necessarily want to rely on only one person right. to be able to do that. So you want to be able to kind of share the workload. So using that as a segue, what happens when you're the head coach? You know, how... And I think this is the hardest part um, because there's not a lot that goes into this from an educational standpoint. Um, so you have to lead by experience, right? Yep. And you have to say, well... Um, you can you can take it by well. Here's everything that's been hap- that's happened to me before, and you take the best and the the take the good and the bad of you and as an assistant coach. So when you're a head coach, you have different expectations of your assistant coach. But um, you know what? How do you make sure that as a head coach, you have a you create a positive environment for an assistant coach to come in? Uh, first off, I think it's rare, at least in the clubs that the clubs I work in that we've had assistant coaches. Um, so. I'll use my club experience. I'll kind of answer from a club perspective and then from a maybe an ODP college um, perspective. But I'd say from a club perspective, I kind of sometimes maybe view that assistant coach sometimes can be your director of coaching like that's not on that team. So, um, you know, whenever I'm buzzing through and it's not my group, um, it's, it's understanding that head coach. If I'm, if I'm the head coach of that group and How I, how I give that power or how I give those moments to that person is also what the, that person wants to do. So, like, I think of things, I'm starting to answer that question from my perspective as an assistant coach or a director of coaching, but I sometimes get to develop that relationship of what that head coach feels comfortable with. So if I flip the shoe on the other foot, I'm in charge and I have someone willing to help me, whether that be an assistant or whether that be a director of coaching, um, what do I want? What do I feel comfortable giving away and what do I feel what do I like what's my DNA or not alter like what are the things I'm not giving away like right. 
Um, you know, honestly, halftime talks, if I have someone there for them, I want that. I want that person to say stuff in front of the group. Yeah. I do vet them just like I get vetted my own thoughts before um, as an assistant. I vet them and say, okay, now let's skip that one. I'm actually going to hit on that one in a second. Let's, there, you touch on this. And, um, you know, from an assistant coach running training or being involved in training, I find out what they feel comfortable with. I found out what they want to do. Um, I haven't had too many of them in the club game, um, but I do think that it, it's about establishing what they feel comfortable with and what you feel comfortable giving away. Um, and that could change in the day. Like if it's, you know, last minute preparation, I might not let the assistant do a whole lot. But right. if it's something where I think the team needs to hear a new voice or I think the team needs to see a different way of introducing this idea, I might let them have a lot. Um, but I think that's that, that's my perspective from a club perspective is, is, is what you feel comfortable giving away and what you feel comfortable with that person having and what you feel okay having that, not doing yourself. Um, from a club or from a college ODP perspective, I would say, um, I've been really lucky to work with a guy uh, in the ADP level with Colorado Select. Um, and what Matt and I, by the second year I worked with him, I let Matt run a lot. I let Matt do a lot. One, he wanted to. One, he was really good at it. Um, and it let me have the ability at this you know, ODP level to select players um, to make decisions on first 11 and reserves who we're going to take um so year one i did a lot more of it year two i let him have a ton of and that part of it was the relationship we had developed but part of it too was i wanted to have the ability to we know these are good players we're in a key program but now it's like more of a man management or a player management so um I think it depends on where you are and who you have, but it still comes down to what as a head coach you prioritize and what you feel in that moment, as you just said about the assistant coach moment of getting yeah. excited and feeling confident um, and letting that person, you want to build that too. And yeah. oftentimes if I had an assistant and it wasn't, uh, it was at a club level, it was usually a young coach who wanted to kind of shadow or be around you. And I think that's where you have to kind of lead that person. Um, just like you were a player, but understand when's the right time to give them more, right. when's the right time to take a little away. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because I've, I've, my experience with assistant coaches that I've had, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of younger assistant coaches. Sometimes they're, they become older players that are playing and still and, and want to come back and help. So my role, which I, I ultimately enjoy it because it, I think it helps on multiple levels, is A, help them grow and help them see the game from a different standpoint b it helps me talk through things as as i'm doing them because this way i don't have to necessarily all be by myself and and things like that i have the ability to just say so here's what we're doing we're doing this here's the coaching points here's here's what we're going to look for because then that kind of keeps me on my toes to say oh well i just said all this stuff so i got to make sure i i do it right? right like i can't just like go away from it i think it also makes me more prepared um, having an assistant coach, I think, makes you have to be more prepared ahead of time and you have to maybe explain your session ahead of time. Here's what we're doing today and this and that. And, you know, here's why we're doing it. And here's what we're trying to get out of this, this session. And, and I think that helps you um, be prepared and be ready to go. And I think the other, the last part that I've, my experience with assistant coaches is realize that, like you said, right, you're coaching them on as well. Yeah. Right. So you're you're trying to make sure that they get something out of the experience because then you want them to be able to create a more positive experience for the next person that they maybe are the head coach and they, they bring an assistant coach in there right. in that role there. So um and I can say I've I've had the pleasure of of uh, of being your assistant coach before, uh somewhat unofficially, uh and officially all at the same time too, and multiple times multiple sure. teams. Um, and I think that was the role, right? You, you that was became a, a head coach one time when I got sent off, I think. I think I think I did. <laughs> Um, that was one of those unofficial assistant <laughs> yeah. coach roles. Um, but I think that was part of it, right? My role was to was for us to we talk about the games ahead of time. If it was something it was a tournament, you know, the night before or something like that. And then 
during the day, I was just, you know, having that individual relationship with the players and then talking about the games. And if I saw something very, very particular or something different, but I think the other part is, is the assistant coach has the ability to maybe not necessarily coach. Like what I, my suggestion would be to coach something completely different in the game or look for something different in the yeah. coach is not looking for. Right. So if, if you're with, working with a coach that is coaching on the ball, right. That coaches the ball and watches the, the play as it's happening, then you should coach off the ball. Right. And then vice versa. You know, if you have a coach that's coaching completely, you know, off the ball, then you should be the one on the ball. So that yeah, way and, and all think, grounds are covered. Yeah, that's a good point. I think too, the one thing I'll add to that is I think still, regardless of who's on or off the ball or who's doing what, I still think successful sidelines still have one voice. Yeah. So you mentioned your story about head coach shouting, assistant coach shouting, yep. everyone's shouting. That's um, you know, the last point I'll put in there that goes in with that is the assistant coach has to keep a pulse. Yes. And they have to keep a pulse with what's going on, help the head coach. But in a match situation, the assistant coach's role, I think, is never to worry about them. They're, they're coaching the smaller details. Yes. They're looking for the smaller details. But they're also the one that's keeping um, the head coach sane, right? Yep. <laughs> And keeping them under control or right. giving them thoughts or giving them ideas. So, um, it, I, like I said, I'll end it. My last thought is if I could get paid to be an assistant coach at a high level, I think that would be awesome. And I think if you get an assistant coach, that relationship building is, is not only great for you as being in charge, but are you supporting someone? But it's also just, it can be, if done well, it could be a really positive thing for the team and for both parties. Awesome. Thanks so much, Fields. Yeah, man. Enjoy that one. Thank you. All right. We are back. Uh, Dwayne, we're going to do a quick check-in on, on some of our Diamonds players that, uh, that, that played this week. So we're going we're gonna to just talk about anything that happened from Monday or Tuesday until now. So anything that happened last weekend, we're, 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 we're going to we're going to kind of just we're going to mention the last couple games. So anything that happened during the week. So big shout out to Maddie Wary, uh that played uh, at Alvernia. She got some minutes in a couple shots on goal, beating Clark Summit seven to two. Uh, tough loss for Newman and, uh, and Alexa McCracken, who got the start uh, losing three to one to Cedar Crest. Big win, massive win. For the Diamond center back Ashley Thomas, uh, who also gets to start on in the probably one of the biggest upsets so far of the season, McDaniel's uh, beating number one Messiah, one nothing. Yeah, hey, that's 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 always that's big time, man. Messiah, and then especially when I was in college, was I was the pedestal. That was that was the mecca. You always want to go out to the side. So that's huge for that program. Yeah. Shout out to Hannah Shepherds, who uh one of our one of our camp counselors from our summer camps this year, uh, for, for getting the goal, the game winning goal. But yeah, big, big win, massive win for for McDaniel. So hopefully, uh maybe we'll check in next week about potentially their rankings or uh are you know, they'll they'll get some nods in this week. Uh, you know, if he just took out Messiah. Um Bridgewater. College, we're checking in on Destiny Zapata. Uh, big win, five one against Greensboro. Uh, Greensboro College. Uh, Destiny Bridgewater. <laughs> we don't we don't like Greensboro over here. Uh, uh, Destiny getting an assist in the game as well. Uh, also with their second assist of the year, Kylie Shannon, uh, Westminster beating Wooster. Uh, six nothing. Uh, Kylie Shannon coming in and getting her second assist of the season. So congratulations to her. And then uh, finally, uh, debut, debut, Division One debut for Caroline Scott in the goal, uh, getting in some minutes uh, against Dell State at Iona College. Uh, so she got two saves, got got some minutes in the in the game, and a two nothing win. For the Iona women's soccer team, so uh, always special to get in against the hometown team. That's right. Yeah. Uh, only downside of that game was the fact. For her. 
Well, it was always the downside is that that it was that it was in New York. It wasn't at it wasn't in Delaware. If not, we would have been there with our uh, with our Iona Absolutely. gear. Absolutely, yeah. Like I don't really know that's hometown for us. Just is down in the Barry. UMES yeah. might be a little bit closer, but hey, Quantico, 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 Maryland. Um, all right, so let's talk about let's talk about the craziness that was the Champions League this week because. Um, it started, which is awesome. Uh, we we want the Champions League to start. This is what we look forward on Tuesdays and Wednesdays of every week. Uh, so Champions League kicked off with the first two games, Sevilla versus Salzburg. Obviously, we're watching Sevilla for for Brendan Aronson, um, who got the start, played well. Uh, crazy game. 35 minutes in, there was already four PKs. Salzburg had missed three of them or two of them. Uh, two of them. Yeah, missed two of them. Sevilla, Sevilla got another PK and scored. Um, so the game ends up being one-one. Um, and I think next time uh, Brendan Aronson needs to step up and take the PK. Yeah, I mean, I know what Salzburg is working on this weekend training PKs because I mean the game got decided literally on PKs. Yeah, like, literally. You stick uh, another PK, you win the game 2-1. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, the upset, uh, the first upset of the Champions League, young boys beating Manchester United and Cristiano Ronaldo, who also got another goal. Now, granted, uh, Manchester United played, you know, 55 minutes of the game with, with 10 players, but still, um, good good for young you boys. your American flag around here, man. Jordan Peacock. That's right. Yeah. Game winning goal. American flags are waving. Should have came well, and played in MLS Ronaldo. Uh, did he get the game winning goal or was it was it an own goal? I think he got credited with the game winning goal. Did he? Okay. I think I think they credited him with the game winning goal. Well, no, they always go back and look at this kind of stuff. So they might have taken it. Wait, away. no, it wasn't Jordan Peefock. It wasn't. Oh no, it is. It was. It was. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He has my another bad. name. He has another name. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. He, he was. Has two he got, names. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, he got. He got the game winning goal. Um, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, he goes he's got. He's different. got. He, well, he's got two first names and two last names. This guy's trying to yeah. one up me. He's trying to one up me. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because his name is like Thomas and something. Yeah. Uh. So. Chelsea, Chelsea with the win over Zenit, uh, Lukaku scoring the goal, which uh, I'm excited about just because I'm a Lukaku fan. I don't really care about Chelsea or whether they win or lose, just like Lukaku. Uh, all right, so can we let's talk a second about what in the world? Like, I just don't understand. First time in, in Champions League history that Barcelona has zero shots on goal in a game. Uh, who's going to take the shots? The, the guys from uh, La Masia. Because I mean, listen, you, you like got that's who was playing. You got Luke De Jong and Memphis Depay up top. Like, how do you not get something? And, and, and who else is on the field? Did you see the rest of that lineup? Number I mean, you, Frank, Frank, Frankie, Frankie De Jong, Pedri. It's not terrible. Who, I think the discipline. I think the disappointing part is that Ricky Pooch still does not come into the field. That's, and I and, and I know we're on the Ricky Pooch train, but like he just brings that attack minded to the game. Like he wants to go forward, he's going to receive the ball in his front foot, he's going to go forward, he's going to break lines, he's going to try to score goals. And at times Barcelona does the play, that's their style of play, is Tiki Taco, it's possessed, possessed, possessed. At some point, somebody's got to turn and go forward. So. Ricky Puchin, he could turn him forward. Play him as a winger. Drop in like Messi did. Get the ball and go forward. I don't get why why he won't play. I, I really don't get it. It's disappointing. Um, and and frankly, I'm not happy with it. I'm I'm pretty upset. Write a letter to John uh, Laporta. Nah, man. No one's writing a letter to that guy. And then and now that like I just listen. I I think we've all talked about it. We've all well, or at least we you, you and I have talked about it. Uh, we don't think Ronald Koeman is the right man for the job. Um, 
So I think I think I think there needs to be a change there. This is now clearly this could be. I mean, what what is the ultimately like the what are you waiting for to potentially not qualify out of the group? Like, like like you're you're playing you're playing you're playing Benfica and then Dynamo Kiev. Like it's not like you're playing like easy teams either. They're not these aren't like oh walk through teams. I mean, you could easily play second in this group, right? Like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, the result against Benfica. There's it, no shot, no shot. You're you're placing first in the group. You win. Like, that's you win, out of the question. You win your two games. Yeah, you win your two games at home against the, the Benfica and Kiev, and you're sitting in a good spot, right? You, get, you pick up three points there. And you got to go there and get a draw, maybe hope for a draw. You're sitting in a good place, but um, unless one of them upset Bayern, then you got to. But, I mean, it's just got to be a change in the mentality of the players there, I think. Uh, I don't know that I mean, watching PK play, I would be contemplating coming to the MLS or retiring after this. I don't think he has, though. <laughs> he doesn't have it anymore. I mean, I hate to say it, but he just doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't he can't play at that high level that he's used to. Yeah. So, I mean, I know at a different, way different pace, but just PK should play at that level anymore. Yeah. Got that world-class center back. Yeah. Worry about that, uh, that TV, that TV holding company. (laughs) Um, and then let's talk about the, the PSG Bruges game. Um, so Messi, the first time playing in Belgium, I'd never played in Belgium before for whatever reason, uh, just never worked out that way. Um, I think I think there's going to be an adjustment period, um, and this is where this is where the tactical part of the game comes into play. It's not just oh, I have all the best players, I can easily. And people are like, well, you can't buy wins. And I was like, yeah, but that's not that's not what it's about. I think part of it is just realizing how to tactically adjust to a different player. I mean, Messi is not Di Maria. Uh, you know, Messi messi's gonna play different messi's gonna so in that attacking trio now it's a different dynamic it's getting to know each other a little bit better um and i think that the middle of the field needs to change i think i think wynaldum um didn't didn't really do anything on either end of the ball he was just kind of stuck in them like he was stuck with the ball when he had it and then didn't really know like so he was kind of he was he was extra i think that the thing that's tough is that PSG attack with so many players. I mean, uh, Ander Herrera scores the goal uh, coming into the box. So like he is, he attacks with they attack with so many players that it almost becomes an overwhelming amount of attacking players that then leaves you extremely vulnerable for a counterattack, which is ultimately what Bruce kind of took advantage of. Um, and Bruce was organized. Um, you know they they knew that they knew the tactical approach was just to be organized and just kind of wait for your moments. <laughs> Good man. Hold on, because you broke up there for a second. In the attacking period, they were well-made, man. They were coming. Uh, so Bruce enjoyed their, their combination plays when they attacked in the attacking third. It was really good. Like they, yep. they were very disciplined, switched the point of attack, and you know, ultimately looked to get balls into the box. Yeah. Um, but I think you hit it on the head with PSG tactically. They they struggle, and I think it's because. If you look at their front three, where do they all thrive in their careers? Like, why are they the names they are now? They all played as winners. Yeah. Right? So they all thrived on the wing and had that central number nine. So I think, uh, you know, their manager has to look at at that and say, well, who's my best option to play as that long nine? And maybe they play as a longer nine and they look for balls diagonally into the channels and then guys run in. They kind of open, leave the mid, middle of the field open for guys to run into and do what they do best. But I think that's they got to look at that tactically and say, well, Messi likes to cut in, Neymar likes to cut in, Bobby likes to take players on and play players into the box. So they need to look at that and say, well, how do we, how do we tactically set this up? We have two wingers on one side and one on the other. Like how do we, how do we do this? Yeah, you can almost play Messi as a false nine too, and kind of create that way, but again, the middle of the field becomes too crowded, but they can also open up the wings too. So some food for thought. Yeah, for sure. Um it'll definitely be interesting to see how it plays out. 
Um, and I guess we'll see how, how it goes in, in two weeks when they play again. Um, so, you know, then that, made a blast, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's falls apart. Yeah. Um, yeah. As soon as he hit that $200 million mark, that dude <laughs> used to go hard at Monaco. But as soon as he started making money, it was just like, Ooh. um, and then we got the Europa league, Europa league. Um, it, you know, I think, you know, with, with the, now the creation of this Europa conference league, um, you know, I think it, it took out some of the their some of the heavy hitters that you sometimes saw in the Europa League, and I think ultimately we'll see some of them when they when they drop out of the group stage from the you know from the Champions League. We'll we'll see we'll pick up a few a few in there. But West Ham pick up uh, a Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, you might pick up a Barcelona. That's right. Um, West Ham. Uh, maybe that's the plan. Maybe they just want to play in the in the Europa League. Um, get some get some under the table cash prizes so they get other financial crisis. <laughs> um, West Ham with a win, Real Betis over win uh, over Celtic, Leicester, Napoli, which I think probably the two of the two of the more uh, renowned teams um, right now, at least from uh, from how they perform in their in their league, uh, with a two two tie. Um, yeah, Leverkusen with a with a win as well. Lazio, Galatasaray, uh, Lazio losing Galatasaray, uh, and then in the Europa Conference League, which I think that's the that's the one to somewhat watch because you got Roma and Mourinho going six for six or seven for seven or whatever it was that he's uh, he's won uh, he's won every game at Roma already this year, uh, and also you got Tottenham who tied against Ren. Um, and also you know let's let's give a big shout out to to Genk. Uh, and Mark McKenzie, who came in the 90th minute. I was about to say. But, but with, with the win, right? So Genk gets the win away. Um, hey, uh, Delaware, man, getting Delaware in the Europa League. That's right. Hey, at least we're not in the Europa Conference League. Hey, we're in the <laughs> Europa League. All right, moving on to the player of the match. Dwayne, who do you have as your player of the match this week? Uh, my player of the match goes to the Club America goalkeeper coach and their uh, unnamed player. Um, so if you weren't watching the Club America Philadelphia Union match, uh, Philadelphia Union earn a PK. Um, goalkeeper coach goes into like a sock, grabs out to the PK um, tendencies, which uh, who's t- cheat sheet. Yeah. And uh, motions the player over. He comes over, gets the instructions, runs over to give it to Ochoa. Um, and then Ochoa makes the safe. Um, comes out, already knows which way. Uh, I think it was Montero was going, and just makes it look too easy. So, uh, you know, shout out to those two. That's just part of the game. You know, thinking ahead, and you know, finding those little timeouts to uh, make changes on the fly. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think. Um, I mean, we we didn't even talk about the fact that we went to the game. Uh, we were at the game. Yeah. Uh, in an almost uh, sold out or, uh, or or complete at capacity uh, Subaru Park, um, a, a fun game. I think it was it was a cool cool experience. We, oh, we weren't at the Azteca. No, we were not at the Azteca. Uh, oh, that okay. that was really definitely a cool atmosphere. Um, I think um, it's it's good to it's good for the U.S. and for for MLS teams and obviously Philadelphia to to get experiences like that in international play um, at the club level. I think it brings a different level of the game. I think you start to see a little bit more of where the MLS, to a certain extent, is still not not there, um, yeah. because ultimately, right now, um, you know, you, you got Club America that now is going to the Concacaf Champions League final, um, and they're going to be playing against Monterrey, who beat Cruz Azul last night four to one. Um, after after uh having been up one nothing in in the first game so so ultimately you're you're talking about really a, a really interesting uh, atmosphere and ultimately the winner of that will go play in the in the FIFA Club World Cup um which then will be won by whoever wins the Champions League <laughs> so right um i mean i think i think the uh, the big thing with that with that game you know for the union, you know, their philosophy is, you know, building talent from like the homegrown players or from yeah. the ground up. So, um, I mean, they just didn't have the experience, right? They don't have those players. I mean, that level. Yeah. 
but they don't necessarily have the players that have played in these big games. They don't have the luxury of having like a uh, like a Josie Altador or Michael Bradley those that have played at those big stages and can lead the group. You know, a lot of those guys on the Union. I mean, Andre Blake plays internationally, but I mean, I don't know that Jamaica's really played in big games like that. So, like, I think that's where they lacked. Um, but yeah, the atmosphere was totally it was awesome. I mean. Took my uncle to the game. He's calling me like, "Hey, when's the next game?" <laughs> I had to explain to him what the Hanka uh, Cup tournament was, and that you know it's not a it's not a regular regularly based thing in Philly. So, pretty sure he'll probably be at the Azteca next year because he enjoyed it, especially when the Union got scored under the beer. He was getting thrown. He was like, "This is, this is great! Like, <laughs> it's just this is pretty cool." It was definitely a cool atmosphere. Um, all right, my player the smoke bombs. It, there were the, wait what? You missed the smoke bombs. There were smoke bombs. Oh, fantastic! Um, yeah. pretty sure there was a message in there that said you, shouldn't, you weren't allowed to bring this. Uh, well, yeah, the police did not know what was what was the protocol there. <laughs> um, my my player of the match um this week goes out to uh. Ricky Pooch, uh, for continuing to want to stay at Barcelona and uh, wanting to not leave, uh, even though I'm sure any club anywhere would be lucky to have him. Um, but no, all joking aside, uh, no, my player of the match is not Ricky Pooch. Uh, I wish it would be because he would be if he had gotten any sort of minutes on the on the game, but he didn't. Um, no, my player of the match goes out to Brendan Aronson, uh, for making his Champions League debut. Um, and, and doing a really good job of it. And it's really, it's really funny because, you know, obviously I left right after the, the, the Philadelphia Union goal, but it was three minutes after Paxton Aaron and his brother had come on the field on, on Wednesday. It is really interesting to, to watch them both play, you know, one of them live and on one of them on TV because they, they, they have very similar movements. Um, uh, so it was, it was really cool to see. They both made their Champions League debuts. They did both make their Champions League debut. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Proud, fam- proud, proud family. You know, proud Aaronson family. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to stick with this idea of the Champions League as we go into uh, our On This Day in History. So September 17th, 1997, uh, Newcastle was playing in the Champions League for the first time. Um, probably last time. Huh? Until Sa- until Santi came. I said probably the last time until Santi Cazorla. Or not Santi Cazorla. Yeah. Uh, Santiago Munez came. Santiago Munez. <laughs> uh, there was I forgot to send you that. I don't know if I sent you that, but there was a there was a Santiago Munez that got signed by Newcastle or somebody. Oh, that, that was real. That was real. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought that was I thought they were making a joke because Newcastle was so bad. No, no, no. That was real. Like they signed somebody recently that had that has that name. So the prophecy's coming alive. Uh, um, no, so 1997, 1998. So after they beat uh, Zagreb, Croatia, uh, in the qualifying round, they make it to the, to the group stage match, uh, and they play Barcelona in the first game at St. James. Uh, 35,000 people there. Uh, Faustino Espria, the Colombian international at the time, scores, um, Scores two goals. And uh oh no, sorry, he had a he had a he had a hat trick that day. Uh he had a really cool celebration. He made a flip, and then that will ultimately be the last goals he had ever scored for Newcastle because uh he then had a stomach surgery and then was went back to Parma. Uh but uh that was the first time that Newcastle had played in the Champions League. What's really interesting is so they won that game three to two. Uh, Newcastle goes in and uh, gets third in the group stage that year. Uh, Barcelona, if you want to know what what place they came in that day that year, fourth. What what place did Barcelona come in in that year in the in the group stage? Fourth. Oh yeah, fourth. That's right. Fourth. Gonna, same place. Same place they're going to finish this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, in a in a in a group of Dinamo Kiev, PSV, PSV Eindhoven. And uh, Newcastle. So, right. Whatever the score the Dinamo Kiev game is, I'm going to go play that at Dover Downs to see if I win some money. 
Uh, so in the group this year as well, right? So yeah, Dinamo Kiev, uh, three nothing, and then uh, three nothing, and then what was the last one? Hmm. Ricky Pooch uh, is four nothing. Is four nothing. Team. Four nothing at home. Three nothing away. Ricky Pooch's uncle is probably on the team too. Didn't play. <laughs> Your cousin or something. <laughs> All right, fair play of the week. Uh, my fair play of the week goes out to the Paraguay women's national team uh, because they, for the first time ever, uh, are playing the U.S. Um, in hopes of preparing themselves to be able to play or to qualify for the 2023 Women's World Cup, which will be the first World Cup that will feature 32 teams. Um, and last night they lost 9 nothing to the U.S. and they have to play the U.S. again in a couple of days. Um, because I guess that's what things, that's how things are done. But, uh, yeah, so they lost nine. Does it work like college football? Like when, when like the U S just pays teams to like come play them and just, Uh, it might, might. I mean, ultimately, so the reason why I'm giving my favorite play of the week to them is because the women on that team, um, are right now, they're young. Um, I think the, the oldest player was 29 and they only have six players that are over the age of 25 on the team. But what's really important is the fact that their ability to play the U.S. and ultimately get beat allows them to then go back to their association in Paraguay, their 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 country's associate, football association, and basically say, listen, this is, if you want us to compete, if you want us to make it into the World Cup, we're going to need more resources, we're going to need more funding, and that starts at the local league level. Uh, right now, there is a plan in Paraguay to to make it that this season there's only two or three uh, players that have to have a contract that they can live off of, and every year is the goal is to add two or three more, and then by 2026, the goal is to have the entire roster be uh, have have a professional contract. So, yeah, so steps. shout out to so shout out to the Paraguay national team for 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 being trendsetters. And for uh for doing something that is going to ultimately help everybody else in their in their in the women's program in uh, in Paraguay, uh, and also yeah. a quick shout out to Carly Lloyd who had scored four goals, and had only touched the ball twelve times by the first half. Yeah, she finished with five, right? Finished with five, but in the first half, had touched the ball 12, 14 times, and has already scored had scored four goals. So. It's just high caliber player right there, man. That's right. But yeah, I think like echoing on the Paraguay, I think I hope I hope. They get like a percentage of like the ticket sales or the gate sales or something like that took back because yeah. that's huge, right? You know, if you, you know, I know the U.S. is playing games where they can obviously host a ton of fans. So if, you know, they're getting a couple hundred thousand to take back and pump those resources in, that's awesome because that's I mean, right. ultimately that's what they need. And hopefully that's, that's really, that's really why we're playing these games, right? They're not playing it. U.S. isn't playing it to say, hey, we went to the bronze medal game. But we're still dominant, right? Like, yeah, they're still dominant, but hopefully that things will be done being done the right way. Yeah. Who's your fair play of the week? I was gonna go to Sebastian Acosta and Jacum. Um just, <laughs> you know, being supportive, being there, you know, all the behind the scenes work that he does. I don't think that it always comes to light, all the you know, hard work, man hours, you know, things done behind the computer screen, things done off camera that he does. So yeah, just appreciation, you know. Sometimes we only see the refugees in the, in the shed that they're missing. They're like, hey, Sebastian, what are you doing? But you don't realize that Sebastian also had to do the cards, the rosters, the referee assignments. I don't do that part. I, I don't do that part. The referee assignments is not me. I help. Knowing not... the referee assigner. Yeah, knowing the referee assigner is... Uh, finding is field one. space for practice, finding field space for games, all that good stuff. I appreciate that. And et cetera. Uh, it, it it's it's not it's not a it's not a job that uh, a I take lightly and b I don't do by myself. There's this whole support system of people that, uh, including yourself, Kyle, Jeff Cameron, our entire coaching staff, Kirsten, um, that that ultimately help and 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 make this make this club function. All the volunteers, all the board members, it, it takes it takes all of us to to kind of get things done. And uh, um, uh, I can't forget Chad and Lou. Um, but you know, and, and ultimately, you know, the way I look at it is the the wheel the the wheel keeps on spinning, and we just have to make sure we we're there with it. 
Um, so if it takes, you know, a little bit extra work here and there, if it takes, um, you know, a couple more emails, then, then so be it. Uh, but I definitely wouldn't be able to do it without everybody else helping me as well. So, um, but I appreciate yeah, that. Winning a, I know it's the fair player of the week award, but man, you're over here like accepting the golden globe. I know. Right. Like the gold giving a speech. I thought that I thought, Oh, sorry. Am I getting the music? Oh, is that what I hear in the background is, uh, is I hear the music, uh, Let's see. Uh, oh, I think I have. Oh, wait. This might be the first time I get to use this. Yeah, there you go. First time I, I hear that. Or or that one. There you go. Little, little sound effects. We get, we bring in sound effects to the podcast for the first time. Um, but anyways, uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Facebook.com slash Delaware Union. On Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer. And on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. Make sure you subscribe. And like the podcast, wherever platform you are listening to from. Uh, big shout out to all of the listeners. Thank you so much for all your support. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. If anybody wants to uh, be on the podcast at any given point, uh, and you're, you, you have something you want to talk about, a topic in the soccer world, we would love, we would love to set something up. So please contact us. Uh, again, hit us up on, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Uh, Dwayne? I think uh, episode sixty four uh, is is a wrap. Getting up there, we we are getting up there. We are we are ever so close to, or we are getting so much closer to that episode one hundred, uh, which is the next milestone in our in our uh, soccer. You know, Club America didn't have any players that dubbed that high with their jersey numbers. Everybody was a low number. No 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 number hundreds. No hundreds, no 473 or 372. So, uh, so I guess, I guess they came in with their A spot. Yeah, uh, 100%. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. Mm-hmm.